When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Hey, everybody. Next month, when you come out to check us out at Monster Mania, don't forget that on March 11th, we will be performing live at the Brickwall Tavern and Dining Room, discussing not one, but two of the worst sequels that have ever been made, Jason Takes Manhattan and Freddy's Dead. The show will be free and starts at 7.30 p.m. in Burlington, New Jersey. So don't forget to come and check us out. We'll have a bunch of cool guests, and it'll be a good time. And now, let's discuss something else. <laughs> Scott and Adam take a trip to simpler times. Before there was Lord of the Rings and all that Hobbit shit in our eyes, our man PJ gave us the Frighteners. We'll wonder what age Michael J. Fox is. Is he 25 or 55? (laughs) We'll wonder if little Busey plays a killer so good because of personal experience. And most of all, we'll be asking a lot of questions about ghost sex on Horror Movie Night. So this one was picked by me. This is probably one of, if not, my favorite horror movie. I hadn't watched it in a couple of years and rewatching it for this I was just reminded how much I really truly love this movie I even went out and bought the uh the soundtrack immediately after watching it because I was like wow the Danny Elfman score in this is really good so I don't know what to expect from you guys uh this is not the normal type of movie that we discuss because it's kind of good <laughs> no no I, I think that the the whole point of what we pick, at least what you and I pick, is something that we enjoy and are pretty sure Adam will have at least three or four negative things to say about. <laughs> That's the way I pick movies, at see, least. Well, see, I always pick – I usually think of what will there be to talk about, and that usually leads to, like, bad movies. Like, you know, spoiler alert for the future, but I was recently watching Dead Silence, and I was like, man, this movie's a pile of shit. I can't wait to talk about it on our movie night in a few years. Like, no! Yeah, <laughs> I hope that we go, like, our five-year anniversary, we're like, fuck it, we're finally going to talk about Dead Silence, because <laughs> like, that movie is... 
But there's that movie is a travesty. But there's tons to discuss in how bad it is. This I'm just I'm gonna keep subliminally pushing that back. You guys haven't <laughs> realized, but I've been I've been like psychologically training you to not pick it for like three years because you've been threatening to forever. <laughs> well, listen, it's got it's got killer dolls in it. Of course, Matt's like got a boner for it. Yeah. Um. Well, the, so so this is one that I've been saying I was gonna pick for probably. Since, like, the first year of Reddit Horror Club, I said I was going to pick Frighteners. And I always kind of put it off. But I, I finally thought that it was it was time. It was time to, to go with this because I really just love this movie. Uh, right out the gate, though, that 90 CGI is not holding up too good. <laughs> no, but you also got to give it props for looking as good as it did at the time. I thought that it was mind-blowing. Well, <clears throat> everything except for the, the, the end when the... the they go to hell like that yeah that's the only part that is is bad 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 i mean it's not as bad as what we're gonna discuss in like i think it's three or four weeks where we have some some serious uh reboot tv show cgi going on (laughs) yes um well this (laughs) I, i will say though that that ending the actual it's tough because part of that ending is really shitty, but I actually like the look of the worm, like at the very end that like you know flies its way back down. This movie is essentially why Peter Jackson got Lord of the Rings, which is like baffling to me. But I guess it makes sense because I don't think it was a very high budget, and they saw what he could do. Yeah, but that CGI probably was exorbitantly expensive at the time, right? Yeah, but I think he does everything in house, so he figured out how to do his own in house CGI. Yeah, it's all oh, done nice. by Weta, Weta Digital, Digital, which is like his company. So so I think that was like what made the big appeal was like, oh, this dude can do this on the cheap. This is the real controversial statement. Uh, this is my favorite Michael J. Fox performance um, over Marty McFly. I, I love his performance in this because it's just so – I can't imagine any other person playing this character. It's Sorry, just... somebody's forgetting class of 1984. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is that how you really argue that this is someone's best role? Is that you can't see anybody else in the role? Well, no. I also just I I think that the delivery is good. I think the character is likable. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Marty McFly. I'm not saying like Marty McFly is garbage, but like I saw this movie because I love Back to the Future. Like that was like my favorite movie for a, a really long time, and I was afraid to watch horror movies because I was a little pansy as a kid, and and then. Uh, I was like, well, if Michael J. Fox is in it, it can't be that scary. Michael J. Fox does comedies. So I convinced my parents to rent it for me at the Blockbuster, and I was so, like, just in love with this movie. I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking awesome. And I, like, made everybody – I made my cousins watch it, made my parents watch it, I made my neighbor watch it, and, like, we all love this movie. We would quote it so much, and I I started watching this way more than I ever watched Back to the Future – and it was all because I just really loved his character, Frank Bannister. <laughs> and like... You know, but the, here's here's my problem with it is like I enjoy I enjoy all the characters in this movie really, but the um, the 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 ghost husband is really he's the se- well he's the scene stealer of the first half. And then our boy Jeffrey Combs shows oh, up. Jeffrey Combs is fantastic in this. Dude, the lines that the uh, the ghost boyfriend said, his first, like, four lines in this movie. So, so beginning of the movie, uh, Michael J. Fox 
is leaving a funeral. He's been handing out his business cards, and he's driving like a total asshole, and uh, just smashes this dude's fence and lawn. And I remember the line as he goes, "You, you ruptured my lawn!" As he like runs out there, and like he's just this douchey, of just so obnoxious. He's like the next door neighbor on a sitcom. Like that's yes, like his character. Exactly. Oh, it's so good. And then he runs over the lawn home. He said, my Bobo! You killed Bobo! <laughs> now, like, that... I, I love the fact that this is, like, the, the... the perfect marriage of, like, mainstream Peter Jackson with dead alive, bad taste Peter Jackson. You know, like, it's got that sense of humor... But it's still not as slapsticky. It's still got. I mean, but there's a lot of slapstick in this movie, and you know, you guys know, I really, really dislike slapstick. Um, but it's not obnoxious. Like nothing in this movie is really that obnoxious. It's it's over the top. But there's no point in this movie where I'm like, Jesus Christ, come on now. Uh, well, I think that there's a lot of well placed. I think the jokes are well placed in it. Um, there's that. There's that super. So or there's the. There's the gun that's loaded with holy water joke which is uh still makes me laugh even though it was in bordello of blood <laughs> like <laughs> which re- always reminds which is a movie that doesn't make anybody laugh yeah but i'm gonna pick that soon one day as well but um <sighs> this but like the uh the thing that's funny about that is that this was supposed to be a tales from the crypt movie it was originally what? written to be the third tales from the crypt movie and then Have we talked about that? Did we talk about that when we were talking about Demon Knight? I think we did because Robert Zemeckis is the producer of this movie, and he uh, was the producer okay. on all the Tales from the Crypt stuff. But he thought that this movie could stand alone without, like, throwing the Crypt Keeper all up in it. Thank goodness they did. They didn't add the Crypt Keeper because that would have been awful. Really, the, the Crypt Keeper was in this. The, it was in the sarcophagus that the judge fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you mean the ghost sex scene? One of the many. <laughs> that, that's ghost rape is actually what what uh, I have it written down as. Um, t- well, so I, I mean, I haven't even touched my notes. Like I, but I, I have to say that I am pretty shocked and pleasantly surprised that you finally picked this because the the, the suspense was killing me, man. Um, <laughs> I, just, I mean, because I knew that this was going to be a good Matt Kelly Matt Kelly pick. Um, so it's, I mean, I was looking forward to it, but man, rewatching this, cause I haven't watched it in maybe like five years. Um, this is such a Matt Kelly movie. Like this is, if, 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 <laughs> if somebody was like, Hey Scott, you're friends with Matt Kelly. Can you explain him? And I'd be like, no, but the Frighteners can. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, if you, if you personify the Frighteners, it would be Matt Kelly. Yeah, this, exactly. That's, that's what I'm getting at, yeah. This movie was the um, reason and, why Don't Fear the Reaper was my favorite song for, like, years. Just because it was the closing credit song in this movie. Really? You, you appreciated Don't Fear the Reaper in this movie over Don't Fear the Reaper on the Scream soundtrack that was, like, that boring-ass acoustic cover? I saw this one first, and I didn't... Oh. And uh, I didn't even realize it was Don't Fear the Reaper in Scream until, like, the third or fourth time I watched it. I do love that weird, slowed-down acoustic version of it, though. I I, that is one of... I, I've listened to that song tons and tons of times, and I've listened to a lot of bad singer-songwriter demos as well, and 
I cannot believe that that poor, like very poorly done cop, like cover is is on a one of like the best movie soundtracks of all time, like or horror movie soundtracks. You know, like I love the Scream soundtrack. It's not good, but it's got like two good songs, and I love that movie so much. But that is the nostalgic for me. But man, that guitar take that they used, or guitar takes must be multiple, is embarrassingly bad. Well, I've got kind I of love a it. love-hate relationship going on after this with the uh, the Sonic Youth cover of Superstar. <laughs> I really, I enjoy it, but it's also really, really stupid and bad at the same time. <laughs> just, just a line, baby, 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 oh, baby. It's really... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, on, that's that was bad when the Carpenter sang it, but like hearing the lead singer of Sonic Youth just monotonely drone it makes it even worse. Um, saying it in his like tired, sleep deprived tone, that he has. <laughs> baby, 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 oh baby. Talk about a band that like I feel like I'm supposed to like more than I ever actually have. Like, Jesus take Christ! Lithium, I think and you'll love him. Yeah, take Lithium. <laughs> no, that's that's when you really want to get get excited with uh, Nirvana, but um, but no, Sonic Youth. I've tried multiple times to uh, to get into and. Boring, just so boring. It's super they've boring. Two, they've got maybe two or three good songs. Uh, other than that, it's, yeah, it's out of like twenty-five albums, <laughs> they have yeah. so many yeah. CDs. Uh, so let's let's jump back into this because we are <laughs> not even scratching the surface. So hey, give us a walkthrough. We're we're past the funeral. Okay, so we we haven't even gotten there. We got to the the house being haunted. So the house was haunted. Um, Michael J. Fox shows up and is like, look. I will. It costs a ton of money for me to exercise your house, but I'll do it for free if you just let the whole lawn thing slide. Because he's a shyster. Uh, yeah, but the best part about that scene is that the husband realizes that he's like, well, he thinks that it's it's all bullshit, but it's it comes off and like, well, just get it over with, you know. And it's I, I really like. I know that you're not supposed to like the husband. But man, I really like the husband. He's really funny. Yeah, he has he has some great like he has great comedic timing in this movie, and I don't know if I've really seen him in that much else, which is weird. Um, so so they they you know they kick Frank out, and then he goes home, and that's when it's revealed that he is friends with a bunch of ghosts. Uh, he can see ghosts, and he basically has them haunt houses for him so that he can come in and clean the house. Uh, and I've got just a the, – the first, like, scene where they really show all of these ghosts together, there's just these rapid-fire notes of, like, I love the effect of when the ghost Stuart gets sprayed with the bug spray and it just blasts straight through his face and his, like, eyeballs are dangling from tendons in the top and his tongue is hanging out. And it's, like, a really gross look. Uh, the – the disco ghost Cyrus is one of my favorite characters ever. Yeah, that's that's uh, Emerson Cod from Pushing Daisies. <laughs> I love it. And then, uh, you know, we we are introduced to the the sheriff of the town, uh, who I just love that he like works with the local psychic. <laughs> like, he'll just go up to him and be like, "Hey, we got a lot of these weird murders going on. You you hear anything from the other side?" And it's like a very genuine 
question. Like, it's not like in any other cop movie where it'd be like a bunch of cops just like, ah, here comes Frank, you hear anything from the other side, buddy? <laughs> like, he's like very, <laughs> like he's very sincere with his questions. Um, well, they, hey, to tie this back into ghost sex, Willem Dafoe believed <laughs> uh, Odd Thomas. I mean, at all. Odd true. Thomas just apes this movie so Dude, hard. this movie is, that Odd Thomas is the most desperate attempt at doing another Frighteners and failing. Um, but that's the funny thing is because it was written by Dean Koontz, who is, everyone knows, the ultimate ripoff writer because every book that he's ever done has tried to be Stephen King. So it really doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, so we're at the funeral, and um, I love that Ray is the only person that's crying at his funeral, it seems. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like everyone's just standing there. Like, it's supposed, it's so good at just establishing how much of an asshole he was to everybody. Because, like, everyone's just standing around the grave, and then he's just sitting there like, it's a goddamn tragedy! <laughs> like, just losing his <laughs> mind. It's so good. I it plays with like a cool element of like the ghosts not being able to control themselves. Like they don't know how to like do things when they're first a ghost and they slowly learn. Uh, and that kind of is cool to see that all happen. Uh Frank goes out to dinner with Ray's wife uh cuz she wants to speak to Ray about some missing money. And they go to like this weird like Ren Fair restaurant. Like I don't know what the fuck that shit was. Yeah, they're hanging out at medieval times. <laughs> they go there, and all of a sudden, a, you know, Michael J. Fox excuses himself to the bathroom, and while there, the, a man dies right next to him, um, which is important for later because it's my favorite, one of my favorite Jeffrey Combs lines. <laughs> Combs lines comes up from that scene, um, but Michael J. Fox runs from the scene of the crime, uh, and then. This is when we're introduced to Jeffrey Combs uh, playing Dammers, the FBI agent who's been trying to track down weird supernatural shit, and uh, he's got he's got his eyes set on Frank because he's pretty convinced that Frank is killing people telepathically. Um, Jeffrey Combs looks like he's on the brink of an aneurysm this entire movie. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so good! Oh my god, I fucking love Jeffrey. He's Combs. got so he he starts to throw up if someone raises their voice at him. Oh my god, that was so. <laughs> <laughs> this... I think that that's you. I think that he's you actually. Like... <laughs> oh god, no! So there's you got your lead breastplate on there, man. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. wait. There, there's a line that he says. Um, shit, I have it in my notes. Um, uh oh damn it i didn't did i not write it down um damn it it's when he when he uh throw after he throws up when he gets yelled at by the the lead woman um he's like something like i'm intimidated by strong women or something like that it's like man i laugh my ass off he's like i don't like the sound of screaming women um, he has, he has, I love that he's in the car and he throws on that Sonic Youth song to drown her out, but it's the quietest, most like mellow song ever. It wouldn't drown anything. Well, the other thing that's great is there's, and this is such a Peter Jackson sense of humor, is he reaches into his pocket and you think he's about to pull out like a gun or something and he just pulls out a hemorrhoid donut to put on the seat. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Um, we missed... Peter Jackson cameo, by the way. Oh yeah, Peter what? Jackson's in this movie for like a millisecond, wearing a T-shirt that says Reaper on it, and covered in like um, piercings, and he's got his hair dyed black and stuff. Yeah. Oh, um, that was him. Yeah. 
yeah, Michael J. like runs into him and he's like, "Where yeah. are you going?" <laughs> also, that that's a straight um, Back to the Future joke of him like being all dazed and like running into him, right? Oh yeah, that's like every Back to the Future movie has that sequence where Michael J. Fox bumps into somebody because uh, he's confused as to his surroundings. Um, <laughs> so the lines, the two lines that I absolutely love from Jeffrey Combs in this movie is uh, he's interrogating Frank. And he's just, like, running down the list. He's like, you killed your wife. And he's going down the whole thing, and he's just like, but what about the guy in the toilet? What did he do to you, Frank? Piss on your hush puppies. (laughs) But, of course, the best line is him standing in front of the car, revealing all of the scars, and very calmly going, my body is a roadmap of pain. (laughs) (laughs) so good I'm doing this I'm doing this I'm moving the car with my mind it's the closest he's ever come to sounding like John Lithgow (laughs) it's so good god damn Jeffrey Combs makes everything better like oh if I'm having a bad day I just need to think about Jeffrey Combs in any movie he's Um, given like 175% in this movie like there (laughs) He is He's like so Bruce on. Campbell level awesome in this film. <laughs> uh, and we haven't even talked about Jake Busey, who this might be the best role that Jake Busey has ever played. Uh, Second only to uh, wait, was he the was he the guy in Tomcats? Yes, I thought you were going to say Starship Second. Troopers, but he, that's his third best role. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're wrong. His best role uh, is as Marsh in PCU. He's the hippie that, that's trying to get a. Uh, Oh my god, that's Jake Busey! <laughs> Holy shit! I have never put that together. I mean, I should have known by the teeth, but he, so 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 you have the guy that basically, you know, helped create Iron Man. Yeah. Who's like, what should I do? And then we have Jake Busey's teeth go, have a bong hit. Have a bong hit. <laughs> I love that movie so much. I don't know if I'm going to go to the show, man. It's I'm not really into punk music. Funk music, man. George Clinton. Parliament <laughs> like, Funkadelic. <laughs> Marsh, you need to stop smoking weed. George Clinton is here right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> they play the ultimate yeah. frisbee game. That little weasel ran off with the bee. <laughs> like, I stole our bee. <laughs> but then, then they're like, we send in blotter. It's blotter, man. Blotter, man. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, our high guy impression is perfect. <laughs> well, that's what, Are you guys done the, reliving college yet? Sorry, we're the 420 <laughs> boys over here. Like, that was my junior high experience, man, watching PCU and just <laughs> quoting that shit ad nauseum. So uh, we get to see a long-haired Michael J. Fox in a flashback, which I don't know oh, why God, that entertained it's me. it's so bad. It's wearing, like, a, a sport jacket, too. <laughs> it's awful. But it does lead to one of the only, like, genuinely touching scenes in this movie when uh, – I can't remember the main female lead's name, but when she breaks into his house looking for him – and she sees the basketball court, and he's turned it into a garden. It's like, oh, that's that's a nice moment. Um, so, and then the hu- the ghost husband's like, waste of a basketball court. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, are, we we kind of 
messaged a little bit about how creepy it is that by the end of the movie, this woman is with Michael J. Fox because, like, there's there, there's nothing in the, the entire the entirety of this film that really suggests that they're going to to work. You know, like in the end, Michael J. Fox is reunited with his dead wife in heaven. That's how it should have ended. Yeah. He should be with his dead wife, damn it. But she's like, no, no, Michael J., go get your dick wet. Bye. You're not done yet. <laughs> Must be because there's no lube in heaven. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. So, As someone that's never experienced the natural lubrication of a woman, I can say that I definitely <laughs> would choose to go back. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Well, that was Frighteners. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. <laughs> I like them when they lie still like that. Oh, oh God. God. So that's, that's, that's the original Gomez, yeah. who's playing Judge. Let's, let's add that to the pot here. Oh, my God. That blew my mind, too, because I was like, man, that guy looks familiar. And so I was just IMDb-ing everybody. And I was, I, I was, I actually wished that I was around Megan so I could be like, Megan, come here. Listen. <laughs> Well, judge. So, so side note, while you mention that with, with wanting to get Megan to come in there and watch it, uh, if you have a spouse who does not like horror movies, Frighteners is absolutely one of those movies that you can get them to watch and they will most likely enjoy it. Like, my mom despises horror movies. She fucking loves this movie. Like, this is so tame. It's so, like... It's, I hate to use the word whimsical, but it seems like the best word to use. It's just a good time. It's a good... Like, this was... Originally, they were trying to make a PG-13 movie, and I don't really get why they didn't get the PG-13 rating, because they said they only added the head explosion after they kept getting an R rating and just said, well, fuck it, if we're getting an R rating, I guess we'll up the gore a little bit. But, like... The I, thing is... The the gore in this is so silly and CG. It's like it looks like <laughs> I don't know. It looks like ketchup in Toontown. Yeah. So I don't really think that this is like. I'm surprised that this movie. You're saying this is an R-rated film? Yeah. Fuck. Why? Yeah, I know. There's nothing about this. There's not even enough swear words. <laughs> and it, and this is this is why it is. And this is I, I've been meaning to say this for some reason. This movie actually makes me feel really uncomfortable and gives me like a certain sense of tension to it. And I don't know what it is because it's a it, the whole movie is is you know choreographed right from the beginning. You know it's Jake Busey. You know the chick is still in on it. You know everything that's going to happen. But for some reason, I felt really tense the whole time that I was watching this movie. And when they showed it to the ratings board, that's probably what it was. This movie probably scared the ratings board. And they're like, yeah, no, we're not going to let children watch this. Like, not at all. I mean, I, I guess there is that the when – even though you kind of always know that the, the girl – I think – is it Nancy? No. I can't remember oh. her name. But she is so, like – good at playing this woman who has seen some shit that like when when they're inside her house the second that they like find the murdered mother it's just this immediate like 
tension just sinks in where you're like, oh, fuck. Like, it, <laughs> it's just like, oh, no, shit's going down. Get out of the house. Get out of the house. Like, <laughs> the ghost has been coming from inside the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, like, I I just think that this movie is so well paced. It's so, like, the way, even, like, in simple terms, like, in simple storytelling terms, the way that the story is pieced together is fucking fantastic. Like, you just have these moments where, like, you know, she, the, the female lead goes and visits this, this crazy woman, and then the mother says, like, you know, they, they said she didn't do anything, but I know that it was murder. And you're like, well, what the fuck does that mean? And then immediately it cuts to the black and white footage of her watching this docu-series about this girl. And it's like, the way that it pieces everything together so that you can't like adam said like you kind of know exactly what the story is and who the killers are right out the gate but it's done in such a well-told way that you don't really care like it's not really a mystery movie it's just seeing it get to its logical conclusion sometimes that's the best thing is just i want a movie to get to its logical conclusion don't give me fucking nonsensical twists if it doesn't make sense uh but yeah, well, that's just because Peter Jackson's not a dumbass. This is true. This is but very hey, true. Um, I appreciate your your um, your breakdown of the film, but we need to get to the most important line of the film, where Judge says, "They don't call me the Hanging Judge for nothing." <laughs> <laughs> I still got my juices; are still flowing. No, <laughs> God damn it! I I love. Gomez so much and I can't believe that he was like pervy enough to do these lines like I bet Peter Jackson was like so can you tone it down a little bit (laughs) (laughs) you're making me uncomfortable yeah oh in that same scene I was like the black cop I'm like that guy is so familiar and so I scrolled further down to um in in IMDB that was Dozer from the Matrix you know the big muscly brother um that works on the oh that works on the Nebuchadnezzar. That's ridiculous. That's awesome. So I bet he did this movie like right before the matrix then, or maybe he did like one thing before that. And then the matrix, but very interesting. And then he, I don't think he's done shit since. So whatever, but in, here's a sad part. Um, when did we find out that Michael Jackson or Michael Jackson, Michael J. Fox, sorry, Peter Jackson, Michael J. Fox, um, Michael J. Fox, um, had Parkinson's. Uh, it was after this movie, but you can watch it and definitely tell that he's keeping his hands in his pockets a lot. Not even that. In the interrogation, I think that he, he, Peter Jackson must have known because he was like, you can have your hands out because his hands are just shaking. Like he's been holding it in for like a day's worth of shooting. It's where he has them like up to his head and he's kind of like resting his head on his hands at the same time. Very shaky. Very. It's it's real. It's too real. Too sad for me. Like the whole time I was watching this, I was thinking of that Curb Your Enthusiasm scene where he passes him the pop, and then he's like, did you do that on purpose? <laughs> the second best line in this movie is from Jeffrey Combs. When he, um, I don't even remember when this happens. I, I'm guessing it's before he gets his head blown off, and he goes, the power of the mind <laughs> is absolute. <laughs> he, I said it once already, but he is like channeling John, like, or John Leguizamo. Um, as as the clown from Spawn. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Shit! I just went blank on the dude's name. 
Lithgow. Lithgow. John Lith- he's channeling John Lithgow so hard. I wouldn't be shocked if John Lithgow was on the short list of people that they wanted to play that character before Jeffrey Combs came around. <laughs> I don't think John great... Lithgow could have done it, though. Oh, no. There's also a great Jeff Combs line where he's like, yes, well, I have an Uzi. <laughs> Wait, I, did I – I think I might have been confusing it in my notes. I think that maybe the joke about me, the power of the mind is absolute might be from From Beyond, and I just don't remember putting it down. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, ah, shit. The, uh, sadly, when Michael J. Fox does his spirit walk and then comes back to his body – they cut the line that they um, were originally going to use, which was, I was frozen today. <laughs> nice. Um, and, and, and my final note is, uh, Bartlett's thing was to carve numbers into foreheads. How is nobody connecting uh, Michael J. Fox's wife's death to, like, it should have been, if there were real police in this freaking town, they would have been like, wait. His wife is dead and had a number that was consecutively, uh, like numerically, the next one in line um, from all the people that were killed in this massacre X amount of years ago. And so and so just got out of jail. Like, that's basic police work. Come on now. That's why they had to use 13 as the number, just because 13 is like an occult superstitious number. So that's, I mean, it's stupid. I agree that they should. No, no, no. It's too. But the thing is that they that he carved. Didn't he carve twelve people's numbers into their foreheads at the at the um hospital? The yeah, hospital. Yeah. Did, weren't they carving people's numbers yeah. into their heads? Yeah, because the one ghost corpse has the the number still in his head because it was carved into it. Versus yeah, number like twelve. All the, yeah, versus everybody else doesn't have those numbers after they die because it wasn't like permanently carved into their face yeah i I really did like the fact that um as the husband went on with being a ghost over the course of what like a week or something that this movie occurs um he gets he gets more and more like ectoplasm on his face he just looks wetter and wetter it's and and i well also he's crying a lot so i don't know if it's one or the other but just Little attention to detail, stuff like that, is straight Peter Jackson and really fun. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about on uh, Frighteners? Just the ending, the very ending, like the the epilogue. I don't, I don't much care for for the way that it ends with with the chick now being able to also see ghosts and that cheesy line at the end that's like, well, when when someone goes through a traumatic enough experience, like fuck off, you didn't need to stop it. I want to point out that Jake Busey and Dee Wallace are totally, like, ghost-sexing it up towards, like, the last couple minutes of this movie, where Jake Busey's ghost hands are rubbing all over her body, and she seems to be loving every second of it. Yeah, it's towards the end that you realize that very opening scene where she's getting chased around the house was probably just foreplay. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I was actually just about to ask what you guys thought, like, is that just supposed to keep people off her trail? I don't quite... Well, it's just the Understood. mom. The mom's the only one that saw it. I think that they were just getting ready to f- get down to fucking. That's all. <laughs> Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. 
all in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. All right, so what did you guys watch this week? Um, I have two that I, that I want to mention. Um, I would save one for next week, but they're both kind of similar budget-wise. Um, so I have an acquaintance um, who I've worked with. Uh, you know, Megan and I do wedding photography from time to time, and um, a wedding planner that we know um, – is also an actress and she was in a movie called you can't kill Stephen King a couple years ago. And it's a low budget kind of meta slasher and it's on Amazon. And I was like, well, I I'll spend the $3 and watch that. So I watched it and, um, it wasn't nearly as bad as she kind of led me to believe it would be. She was like, Oh, it's so bad. And, and, and you probably watched like way better stuff well she obviously hasn't listened to the podcast so um there's that but uh but yeah so so um i watched it and i had been primed for it to to be like awful but it was entertaining i mean it wasn't it had no uh expectation of being a phenomenal film so they just kind of had fun with it and uh there were some fun little jokes about horror tropes and things like that and and uh you know it, it was it was always just not quite going to break the fourth wall but it was close enough that it was entertaining um and uh so i mean it, it's maybe worth a watch it with a couple friends and maybe if you like to partake in a beer or two it might be a good time um but yeah i know i know one of the actresses in it uh and the other thing i watched which Actually, watching You Can't Kill Stephen King spurred me on to finally rent and watch uh, Call, Girl, Call Girl of Cthulhu, which is also on Amazon. Um, and it was entertaining um, for being a super low-budget horror flick. Um, it was fun. Uh, it was gory enough without being like... Uh, like too much, you know. I mean, it was gory as shit. Um, had some fun head explosions, a couple fun like brutal kills. But man, the storyline is a lot less funny than I thought it would be. Like I was expecting some real hooker hijinks, but uh, not so much. Um, but yeah, th- those were the two things I watched. Um, I would probably not rewatch either of them, but I did want to give a shout out to both of them because. They are very much in line with some of the schlock that we watch. So, you know, is that. I do love uh, – I I think all of us at one point or another have experienced someone telling us, like, uh, it's probably too dumb for your liking. And it's like, bitch, have you met me? <laughs> like, have you ever yeah. – <laughs> like, come on now. Um, so I watched – Scream Factory must have sent this to me in the mail like months ago, and I never got around to watching it because I really didn't know anything about the movie. Um, uh, Dead Ringers by uh, David Cronenberg. You ever seen this movie? Oh, yes. Yes. I was on a Cronenberg um, kick for a while there where I just literally watched every single Cronenberg movie. And um, Dead Ringers is really fun and very weird. It's super weird. It doesn't feel like a Cronenberg movie because I guess it's – Whereas, like, a lot of his other movies have, like, a horror element to them, this one is definitely way more of, like, a drama 
that just happens to have some really horrific shit happen in it. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, that was that was uh that was an interesting like I watched it once. I don't know if I'm ever gonna go back to it. Um, but it was definitely. I'm glad I finally saw it. Uh, that's all I got. How about how about you, Adam? You you uh, got anything to to discuss? Um, I don't have any flavor of love or anything right now, uh, unfortunately. Um, I watched uh, Scorsese's Casino the other day. I want to make the argument that Casino is actually better than Goodfellas. Because, I don't know, I just like Casino a lot more. I find Casino a lot more interesting. Maybe I've seen Goodfellas too many times. Um, I also watched <laughs> The Founder with Michael Keaton about uh, about him stealing away the McDonald's Corporation from, from the McDonald's oh, yeah. Brothers. Um, it was boring as fuck. I mean, <laughs> it. I, I would encourage you to watch a 15-minute documentary about that guy, about Ray Kroc, uh, because you don't need to watch an hour and 40-minute movie about it, because it all could have been condensed down real quick. Um, yeah, but I mean, wait, who is, is, is Kevin Costner the lead in that? Who's the lead? Oh, no, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Which, Michael Keaton. How dare you speak ill of Batman? And and Beetlejuice, uh, <laughs> and Birdman, and, and Birdman. the Vulture, and Birdman, and 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 um, oh shit, what's he what's he plan? What do they have planned for him next? The Vulture, yeah, he's he's like been so many superheroes. Yeah, no, so I mean, it was certainly interesting. Ray Kroc is is a piece of fucking garbage, terrible human being. Um, pretty funny though, he stole this corporation away. From, from these guys and then made billions of dollars off of it. Uh, but when he died, his wife donated like $4 billion to charities <laughs> just to oh. like fuck that guy. Like, yeah, screw him, screw his legacy of being a greedy prick. She donated like billions of dollars to charity once he passed away. Um, and then also uh, I watched season three of Super Jail, that like hyperactive. Oh my crazy- God, Super Jail. Yeah, that trippy. I watched season three of that, which is. Uh, which is always interesting. It's it's that I can only watch so many episodes of that in a row before I start getting kind of grossed out by it because <laughs> it's just yeah, so hyper well, violent. That the best part about that is that that's coming from you. Yeah, like the no. guy that loves like oh, what's that stupid uh, comic book series that I always give you shit about? Frost. Oh! Yeah, if you can watch that, or if you can read that, but then you're like, man, I've watched four episodes of Super Jail, I'm good for the day. That should give <laughs> anybody an explanation of what that TV show's like. Because it just comes so fast and quick, and it just it, it beats you over the head with it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty well all I watched this week. Well, that was Frighteners from 1996, as picked by me. Don't forget, though, we will always take suggestions that you send us, as long as you email us at hmnpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to swing by our Patreon account and uh, send us a little bit of money, if you feel, at patreon.com backslash hmnpodcast. There's also a bunch of great ways that you can uh, follow our community and listen, but I just cannot remember where those places are. Well, let me help you out, Matt. You can always find us on Twitter at HMN Podcast. And what about you, Scott? You can also find me pretending to be from Jersey every once in a while on Twitter uh, at uh, Fakenduke, F-A-H-K-I-N-D-U-K-E. We also have our delightful SoundCloud, soundcloud.com backslash horror movie night. And you can also listen to us rate review and subscribe on itunes 
and through whatever podcast app you get down with. Uh, we have our pretty awesome Facebook page where I post pictures of Freddie and Pizza to piss off Adam. Um, that's just look us up. We're a movie night podcast on Facebook. And um, I, I think that's it, except for the fact that we are going to be in real life very soon. And uh, at Monster Mania, as Matt mentioned at the beginning of the episode, but I wanted to mention again, March 10th through the 12th in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, I'm going to spend the entire weekend talking like fucking Duke. Get yourself a tracksuit and dress like him, too. Cosplay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I'm bringing my wife so we can just cosplay that whole scene. In my basement, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there are no, like, gigantic casks of wine down there. You don't yeah, know but my there basement. is a farting muck monster. His name's <laughs> Matt Kelly. I feel like I've told this joke before, but why why does Michael J. Fox make the best milkshakes? Oh, God. Because he uses the finest ingredients. <laughs> Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 